Hello and welcome to another episode of The Growth Podcast. I am your host, Matt Bellotti, and today we have a fantastic conversation between myself, Morgan Brown, who is the VP of Growth at Shopify, and Lindsey Craig, who is the Director of Growth at Shopify. We talk all about marketing skills that you need to know in growth roles, what those are, how you get better with them, other core skills that you should know as a person operating in growth and in any regard. This was recorded as a clubhouse conversation. So we're going to go ahead and dive right into that. Thank you again for listening. If you like this episode or any others that you've listened to so far, hit that subscribe button. There's plenty of other good content there and we will go ahead and dive in. So why don't we go ahead and jump right in. I would love to kick it off with something that will get people to value right away. So what would you each say is the number one marketing skill that any growth person needs to know? Like full stop, if you knew absolutely nothing else of like day-to-day marketing type work, what is something that you need to be good at? So I actually don't think it's a marketing skill. I think it's just curiosity general full stop. That might feel like a bit of a cop-out, but it really isn't. My degree is in biology. It has nothing to do with marketing. I just learned by being curious. And I think curiosity drives a lot of understanding of many different things, such as consumer behavior, such as why things work the way they do, such as questioning underlying assumptions. So I think that's like the number one skill. And there's actually a way to increase your curiosity. And there are skills that you can learn around like questioning models and and all sorts of things to like really drive that. But I would say that's like the one must have. And if I'm forced, I can give a very specific marketing one, but that's my go-to skill. So that would be number one. And then like if I was really going to think about like a very specific marketing skill, they're kind of two sides of the coin. One is on kind of the qualitative side of marketing, like understanding what it means for like positioning and language market fit and that type of thing. And then the other is just a real like data fluency. And so one of the things that I think is really interesting is kind of this left brain, right brain mental model of marketing. And I think the people that identify skills on kind of each side, if you will, and really hone in on them are the ones that kind of can create some really special things in our craft. And on the note of kind of want to dig into both these parts here. So the curiosity piece, like talk me through how I can get better at being curious. Is it literally just like, I should start asking questions more often? Yeah. I mean, at the foundational level. Yeah. I think many people and myself included, the way we learn about stuff is often through analogy or pattern recognition and that type of thing. And and so that can be really helpful, but at the same time can also be really problematic and can introduce a lot of biases and gaps and understanding. That's also where a lot of the learning kind of lives. And so, yeah, from a very tactical perspective, there are things like questioning models that can really help you uncover really what's happening. There's a great mental model that says the map 
is not the land. And basically what that means is like, usually when you're looking at an abstraction of reality, there's some gaps between that abstraction and what reality really is. And the same thing in marketing, if you're looking at a Google Analytics dashboard, if you're reading a user research report, or if you're just kind of looking around at what other people in the industry are doing, you're not seeing the true underlying things that are happening, you're really just seeing a representation of those. And so being able to overcome those through curiosity. So there's like the five whys questioning model is very famous. In the legal field, they use a term, or and also in kind of like PhD and dissertation fields, they use the term murder boards, which are really just like, hey, how do you take an argument and like totally deconstruct it? And so there's lots of great examples of questioning models and curiosity models that you can actually build and practice on. And that's something I've invested in over the last you know, five or so years as just a, a personal growth area. Yeah. So I think Morgan was speaking to the scientific method and knowing how to test hypotheses and whatnot. And I think that's huge. And a complementary skill to that would be just knowing how to read data and basic stat skills. So being able to parse through signals from noise and navigate anything from Google Analytics to SQL, I think it'd be pretty difficult to scale anything as a growth marketer if you couldn't handle data on multiple platforms or like rather fluidly. So you both mentioned data here and working through it and having a basic understanding like as somebody tries to think about how they can get better with it, where would you tell them to start? Like, is there a specific online resource they should dig into? Is it literally just like, get your hands dirty and just start staring at it and be curious about it as you go? Is it lean on other people internally? Is it a mix of these things? Like, how can somebody get better with data? I think the second it becomes real, you learn so much faster. So. I know I didn't really learn a ton in school. Like I took the classes, but it didn't stick. And then the second I was spending my own money doing real side hustles or helping friends with their side hustles, you suddenly have way more motivation to get familiar with the data and really pay attention to it. So I think whether it's starting a YouTube channel or a blog or an iOS app, something to call your own will give you just that much more motivation to seek out new types of tools and then to Google and figure out what you're actually looking at. So where to find the right insights for where your mobile installs are coming from or whatnot. But I think that would be where I would begin if I wanted to learn data from scratch is have something to grow and then learn that type of data first. Yeah, I just want to plus one what Lindsay said here. There's really so many opportunities to create your own thing and learn by doing. You know, I think of growth kind of like medicine or law, like there's a medical practice, a law practice, like growth is a practice, right? It's something you have to actually get your hands on and actually work through and do and kind of build skills over time. And so, yeah, whether you're starting a blog, a newsletter, a podcast, a Shopify store, like you name it, there's a bunch of ways to kind of get this hands-on practice. And then there's also a ton of educational opportunities that like you can do out there, like, for example, Lindsay was talking about knowing SQL and data fluency, which I fully believe is a must have skill. And like Udemy, I took the ultimate MySQL course. That's how I taught myself SQL, right? And W3C schools and all of that. And so there's lots of great LinkedIn learning has a ton of stuff. There's tons of YouTube videos about doing data analysis. 
And if you're like, hey, like starting my own thing seems like kind of a stretch right now, there's also other places that you can go and get access to data or use data and kind of learn how to manipulate it around things you're interested in. So for example, I am a big baseball fan and that's really where I got my introduction to statistics. I also used to play a lot of poker and that's where I did a lot of like probability learning. And so you can think about different fields and, and hobbies that you're interested in. There's usually a pretty good data aspect tied to the, any of those. And then you can start to kind of marry those or tie those two things together where you can kind of take some of these emerging skills and, and that type of thing and apply them to what you need is a robust data set that you understand and that you can start to kind of manipulate. I love that. So you could play around with your own, you could take some courses, you can get a data set. That's such a good idea to just find a data set on something that you care about. What about like learning on top of internal data? Like say you're working somewhere and you know you just want to start poking around. You, are you going to get more in people's way in, by doing that? Or is that you know something that you'd recommend as well? I have a hack for this that's kind of sketchy, but it, it works really well. So I will often try and find the closest dashboard or notebook to what I'm solving and then get as far along as I can writing the query myself. And then when it inevitably breaks, I just go into a data channel and I just say like, hey, does anyone know what's wrong with this? And so you're not asking anyone, like you're not editing their raw work and you're not asking them to do it from scratch, but you're getting as far along as you can by yourself it's really effective because the second anyone sees an incorrect query, they're like, Ooh, I can fix that. <laughs> so you get your answers much faster than if you had just asked for help without sample work. That works really well at Shopify. Morgan, any thoughts? No, I love that. I think that's super creative at Facebook. Like all of the data tools are available to you and they, they actually have things like a data camp at Shopify. We also have like a MySQL tutorial and that type of thing. So yeah, like if you're at a bigger organization, there's probably some internal learning skills. I love Lindsay, like if you can find a data scientist that you're working very closely on, or you can pair up with and, and get some help on like some of your queries and that type of thing is a really great way to get started. I think one of the things that Lindsay's really good at that kind of is built into that is that you have to understand like the data that you're looking at. And that's why I think like, yeah, if you kind of look at a dashboard, you understand the kind of data that's being presented to you. Because I think sometimes at a big company, there's so many data tables, it's not clear what's in the data tables or what it's telling you. And so you really need that kind of handholding to say like, oh, this is the data table you actually need and that type of thing. But so it's trying to find that, that trusted person that can uh, point you in the right direction. Yeah, and I'll back this as well at Drift. It's something that I've seen people be really successful with is, yeah, find a query, find something that looks similar to what you want, get as far as you can, and then show up somewhere to, you know, the data or the ops team and find the person that just likes finding the right answer, right? And they'll, they'll talk you through and help you get there. To shift topics a little bit, like, how do you make the distinction between, let's say you're operating as, you know, a growth role of some sort, how do you make the distinction between a skill that you explicitly need to learn and get better at versus just leaning on someone else internally who knows that marketing skill best or being able to get by without quite knowing it. Like, for example, I think maybe a misconception out there that like everybody who does growth needs to understand at least some paid ad stuff or, you know, they need to be able to run paid ads or they need to know SEO. Like, how do you think about what that line looks like of what do you actually need to know in the growth role and what can you just have like a very vague familiarity with? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I can go first. I would love Lindsay's take on this. I think there's a core set of attributes that are really helpful to being good at growth, like this inquisitiveness is one, kind of the comfort with data, strong, structured, logical thinking, understanding like systems, how systems work, like systems level thinking, the idea of like going to first principles for like decision making. All of these are really strong things that can be applied to almost any problem inside marketing, inside product, wherever. So they're just valuable. So you kind of want a set of tools that are like broadly applicable. And then you kind of have to decide, are you a specialist or are you a generalist? And I, I think there's roles for both, right? Like we have some people in our company at Shopify who are specialists. They're like the best in the world at, at like what they do, right? And you have some people who are generalists who can bring a lot of these core attributes against any kind of problem and be successful. And so kind of thinking for yourself, like, okay, what's the most important thing for me? What's the most important thing for impact? You know, I think Brian Balfour kind of wrote the canonical post on like the T-shaped marketer. If you haven't read that post, the general idea is you want a breath across a core set of competencies and depth in one particular, one or two particular ones where you can really excel. But I think there is a role for both people with lots of range and range is a great book if you want to kind of check out that hypothesis. And there's a role for like really true experts. And so I think both paths can be successful. It just kind of down to your strengths, as long as you have some of these core underlying like must-haves. I don't know, Lindsay, what's been your experience? Yeah, I completely agree on the fundamentals. I think the more interdependent a skill is, the more critical it is to master it. So knowing how to set up an experiment or a general understanding of how algorithms work or the like how data moves through a funnel or, or leads move through a funnel and how that's stored in your data model. I think all that is critical. And then it gets a lot more optional as you look at channels and what your role is too. So to your point, I'm definitely in more of a generalist role. So I tend to go really deep on a new channel to learn it. And so if the, my team's doing a project in a brand new area, I'll spend a lot of time in reviews and understanding the mechanics of what they're doing. And then I'm pretty hands off. So I, I try and get the fundamentals down. But yeah, I think it ultimately depends on do you want to go really big into paid ads, for example? Like, are you going to be optimizing a multi-million dollar budget or are you doing growth for maybe a community festival and most of your tactics aren't going to involve paid, then you don't really need to know paid that well. So yeah, once you have the fundamentals down, I think it comes down to kind of a Venn diagram of what is the role need? What are you interested in? And what tools do you have available to you? Because in some cases, you're also limited by what's available at the organization you're working for. I realize that's a it depends answer, but I think there's no concrete answer. Yeah, I think that this generalist versus specialist thing, I just want to double click on it real quick because I think people have a sense that going to the specialist route ends up, it puts you in a confined space and a confined role with confined opportunities in growth or in marketing. I would just love for either of you to just expand a little bit more on what you think of like that thought around specialist means you have less opportunities versus if you just remained a generalist. Oh man, I think that's such a myth. I was working in private equity I was doing financial models before Shopify. 
And then I joined as a growth hacker doing really technical marketing. So I spent all my time doing SEO for an acquisition and, and really stuff that I was literally shipping code. And now I lead brand at Shopify. So I feel like it all builds. And the skills I got in finance translated into data analytics for technical growth, my ability to write like VBA and code in Excel translated into shipping code. And then that mindset translated into running brand experiments and being able to tell like, okay, did this campaign do better than that campaign? And so I think in today's world, everything builds on each other. And what's most important is you're just following what you're passionate about. And you can pretty much learn all the other details along the way. What do you think, Morgan? Yeah, I think both paths are like super viable. It just kind of depends on what you really want to accomplish and, and like to Lindsay's point, like what the organization really needs. And so like, I love what Lindsay described is kind of like the Shopify jungle gym where there's lots of ability to like bring like a core skill sets to like different problem areas and kind of that's like something that's very endemic to Shopify's culture. I think in some places though, like there's lots of runway to be the best in the world at like a very singular thing. Like at uh, Facebook, there were several very senior data scientists, director level and up that had like no reports, right? They're just really good at like this exceptional thing. It was a very narrow, very kind of pointy kind of thing, but it had super high value. And so it's really kind of a function of, yeah, what you want to accomplish and, and what the organization needs. I do think those underlying attributes are going to be the most fungible or, you know, as your career evolves and twists and turns, those core underlying attributes are going to be the things that are like always applicable, regardless if you go pure independent contributor route, or if you kind of go into a more like generalist or like people leadership role. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to suggest that like generalist is the way to go. I, I just meant, I think you don't have to decide. Like if you start out specialist, you can go generalist. If you start out generalist, you can go specialist. And I, I think totally. there's just a lot of flexibility just given how fast everything moves. But yeah, some of the my favorite people to work with are specialists. Yeah, there's kind of a concept at Shopify that we call like the pointy object. And Lindsay, I don't know if you want to talk to that because I think that's like a really interesting like term of art that we use here. But I think it does kind of encapsulate what you just said. Like it's it's not one or the other, but it's kind of this ability to be like pretty differentiated at, at something that really matters. Do you want to speak to it? Because I feel like I have a unique definition that's more nuanced. <laughs> like, I'm, no, let's, hear, let's hear yours. Let's hear yours. You're the, I'd rather hear yours. I've been told I'm a spiky object, which means I'm good at some things, but have some spikes. <laughs> so what they're trying to say is you don't fit perfectly into a box, but that's okay because sometimes you need spiky objects. Like it's meant to say we don't want everyone to be a perfect puzzle piece who has this exact skill set that fits in, into this job posting. Like sometimes you need people to disrupt the system. I just don't know if that's, is that the same thing you're talking about? Yeah, pretty much. And I think kind of conceptually it kind of maps to this like T-shape idea or like if you were to draw, if you've ever seen those diagrams where it's like a skills finder or strength finder where like you plot points around a circle across a bunch of different dimensions and like the goal is you probably don't want a bunch of three or fives 
on everything, you probably want to be a bit spiky towards one area. And, and that doesn't necessarily need to be like a channel or a marketing tactic, but it should be, you know, some skill that gives you some differentiation. And those are really highly valued at Shopify and likely elsewhere because they are able to, they become the, the experts in that area or can bring some expertise to bear in an area that is uncommon. And, and that creates a lot of value usually. What would you recommend as like a good pathway or resource navigation to help them get to a point where they're better at that? Because a lot of what, what you've talked about so far is more soft skills, more than it is like hard explicit skills. Like SQL is sure it's an explicit skill. And that one's a little bit easier to like understand and learn. But a decent amount of some of the marketing stuff that we talked about is a little bit more of a soft skill. So how can somebody, you know, think about I can get myself better at it or my team better at it. One idea is if you have a manager who's supportive of your growth, you feel like you're in a good spot. One of the best things that manager can hear from you is that you have identified an area that you want to improve in and you think it's valuable for the business and you want some support doing it. And hopefully you're in that kind of environment where that person can champion that for you. At Shopify, we have budgets for personal development and individual learning. You know, on the growth team, we have a company subscription to Reforge so people can like learn their growth market, build their growth skills. But I, I think when it really aligns with kind of what you're trying to accomplish at work and if you're in the, the right kind of environment, getting your manager involved, because it can give you what Lindsay talked about early on is that hands-on experience, like that real world experience where you can practice knowing that someone's like helping you kind of develop this. And then you can augment that with personal development on the side, whether it's like Udemy, reading books, whatever. But I would push a little hard. Like I actually don't think some of the stuff that I've talked about, they're not like marketing tactics, but like curiosity is a skill that can be built. Logical reasoning is a skill that can be built. Data analysis, like these are hard skills. And I think like, so for example, one of the things I was personally bad at early on was logical reasoning, right? And I realized I was struggling with my argumentation and, and justification of why we should do things versus why we shouldn't. And so I literally practiced to take the LSAT because the LSAT is like the best test of logical reasoning out there. Right. And so I literally bought the book to study for LSAT, took an LSAT course and dramatically changed how my logical reasoning works. And so I think even though they're not like core, like you would call them skills, they are more soft skills. Soft skills can be learned, right? Like communication can be learned, all of that stuff. So even if it's soft or kind of like more broadly applicable, don't discount your ability to actually learn it and change the way you think about it and leverage it as a tool. That's just a big one for me. Something that I noticed other product managers didn't naturally look at or, or think about was where the users are coming from. So they would often spend a lot of time really deep in the funnel without looking at what their funnels were for their product end to end. So I think having a really good sense of how people move through your product and what your conversion rates are at each step is just so key because then it's a lot easier to prioritize your roadmap. And I was just surprised how many folks didn't actually know if I said, okay, in a given month, how many of our total users go to your product page. A lot of PMs were more focused on really specific feature usage than like a top of funnel stat like that. So I think awareness of 
what constitutes your funnel, where is it measured, how is it changing over time, that's really important. But that said, I think PM is like the perfect role to transition into growth from because you can do real-time experiments, like you have resources and you can pull on all these exciting levers. So as long as you have the foundations that Morgan spoke about, I think you're in a really good spot. The other thing too, I would just say is PMs often are so focused on the user experience within the product that they don't spend a lot of time analyzing traffic sources and thinking about how they can manipulate the world beyond their product. So they know the second a user gets there, what they're going to do, but what happens if users don't show up? Like, where are you going to get them from? And so spending time on third-party analytics tools like SimilarWeb and AREFs, there's free ones and paid ones, but reverse engineering other products and starting to get a sense of traffic mix for your competitors can help you build that muscle that you'll need when you transfer into growth. Morgan, what do you think? I love the personal board of directors concept. I think it's a great mental model. Yeah, I completely agree with the pair up with somebody that knows it well. I've found that through mentorship, seeking out somebody that knows the thing and just asking them if I could pick their brain with about it, have a 30-minute call, whether that's an internal person at my company or it's somebody external, just talk to them a little bit and then see if I can leave the door open. Like, hey, if I have any other questions about this, can I ping you with it? And, and you know, having just your go-to people for any given X, Y, or Z tactic or channel or strategy or means of thinking I have found is, is the best way that I level myself up there. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you're a fan of this one, go check out the library of dozens and dozens of others, other amazing guests, other great topics, tons of learnings in there that I have learned and I know listeners have as well. If you like this episode, I would super appreciate a review on the podcast app. And I just want to say, as always, thank you for spending your time listening to this. I know there's plenty of other things you could work on, watch, listen to, do whatever it might be. And you're choosing to spend that time here. So I really appreciate it. And I will catch you on the next episode. Thanks. Thanks.